I hope this is on. Is it on? Yes, sir. Very good. <laughs> All right. Time, as it always does, overtook me, <laughs> which surprises absolutely no one. <laughs> okay. I uh, want to share with you a um, message, I think. So, there it is. Um, about the final word, uh, we've been talking a lot lately about different things, but uh, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, it says, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Let's, uh, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time we have. Please meet with us. Teach us, we pray. Direct our hearts in worship and, and understanding that, Lord, you are the ruler over all things. And we pray to you, please bless this time, we pray in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a lot to share and a short time to do it, so I appreciate your prayers. <laughs> uh, just the, the premise of this thought is that, that God has the final word in all things. But uh, specifically, I guess, um, and Pastor alluded to the fact this morning that a lot of people think of death. And for some, uh, obviously, it gives people pause. It makes people think. It uh, sometimes makes people uh, anxious. I heard recently about Arnold Schwarzenegger, how uh, he believes that there is nothing after, after this life. It's, it's completely, you know, empty, it's vain, it's, there's nothing after this life. And yes, he was scared of death. Well, you should be, if, if that's what you think, but there's worse news than what he thinks. Because not only is there life after death, but if you don't know Jesus Christ, then there is everlasting punishment. And so again, these, th this kind of perspective is something that God is actually specific, specifically teaching people to know. That there is life. There is eternity. And men will exist. God made us to be everlasting souls. Not just to live out a life and poof, you're gone. But a lot of people prefer to think in that way because then they have no accountability for the life that they lead. And so our place as Christians is to do exactly what God said and live as though he is who he said he is. He is God. And he is the author and the, and, and the creator of all things. And we are to follow him. And any other way in which you lead your life is not only flawed, but it's, it's error. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very foolish way to lead your life. And so number one, uh, men, men make choices but God has the final word in the lives of men. However, man can influence the way God sees us. So I have a bunch of examples here, and I hope you'll bear with me and, uh, and, and pray for me that, that God help me get through this because there's a lot here. <laughs> so as far as the way in which men can lead their lives that influence the way God sees us, my first example is Enoch. And uh, he walked with God, and God took him. He's the most, there's nobody else like Enoch in the Bible. And uh, he walked with God in Genesis 5.24. It says, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So if you ask me, it's like, a, it's like an early recording of the rapture. God simply decided to take Enoch home. And very clearly, the tenor of his life, and you find out in the book of Jude, the, the way he lead his, led his life, he was a preacher. And he was a preacher that was very outspoken. But uh, anyway, he walked with God so closely, and, and the only thing we can assume is that God took him because he was pleased with Enoch's life. It's one of the best examples in the Bible about how you can lead your life in such a way that it, it affects the way God sees us. And God took Enoch, and, and God was pleased with him. Another example is Abimelech, and I wish we had time. We would read all this. 
but in, and, and I recommend you do if you read Genesis chapter 20, 1 through 18, you see the example of, Abim uh, of Abimelech and Abraham. And Abraham and Sarah were actually half brother and sister. And so, um, but Abraham feared for his life. And specifically in this land where Abimelech was, he believed there was no fear of God in that land. And so uh, he told his, his wife, Sarah, that everywhere they were to go, she was to say he was her brother, which was a half-truth, but the real truth was that they were man and wife. And so Abimelech, and this, it's interesting because right before this, we see Sarah referring to herself as so old that it wasn't possible for her and Abraham to be together to have a child. And yet right after that, we see this. And, uh, and so Abraham and Sarah are coming to the land. She says he's her brother. Abimelech, the king, takes Sarah to be his wife. And so it's interesting that in Genesis chapter 20, verse 3, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. And so God rebuked him in a dream and said, You are a dead man. <laughs> and the thing is, is God fulfills anything he wishes to fulfill. If God says you're a dead man, you are a dead man. And so God says to Abimelech, you're a dead man. <laughs> and it's interesting because Abimelech responds with, you know, I'm paraphrasing very loosely, but he says, I didn't know. I didn't know she was a man's wife. And so God says, I know you didn't know, and I withheld you from sinning against me. Restore the man his wife, and if you don't, be assured and know that you are, you and, and your house, you're all dead. And so Abimelech woke in fear, and, and he told all of his household, and he said to Abraham, you've done things to me that a man should not do. You, why didn't you tell me she was his wife? And Abraham said, because I believe there was no fear of God in this place, and I was afraid for my life. So uh, Abimelech gave him riches. He gave him manservants, maidservants. He said, the land is before you. Go where you will. And so I recommend you read that if you haven't read it lately. It's a very wonderful story. And so, Abimelech, so God had appeared to Abimelech, and he said, you're a dead man. Abimelech ap appealed to God, changed his direction, and God refrained. And it's interesting. Another example is Ur. He was one of Judah's sons. One of the 12 uh, sons of Jacob had a son named Ur. The Bible says he was evil, and God slew him. Now, again, I say these things because of the fact that man needs to understand who God is. God is the creator and the absolute ruler of the universe. Man has to understand his accountability before the living God. And so Ur, this son of, uh, of uh, Judas, was evil. And then, in, uh, so you see in, in Genesis 38, verse 7, And Ur, Judas' firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. There's some events going on here, but it also led to Onan, his brother, which also displeased the Lord, and the Lord slew him also. God is the absolute, God has absolute authority in the universe. If God chooses to look at a man, look at a woman, look at any person on the face of the earth and say, I, their life ends now. If God wills that, that is the absolute, he has the absolute authority to do so. And God is a holy and righteous God. What he does is the very, the very holy and right thing to do. Mankind rarely understands God's holiness. Rarely does man understand 
the, uh, the God that beseeches to be a part of our lives, beseeches us to follow him and lead him. Rarely does man understand the greatness of who God is in every category, in his might, in his power, in his authority, and in his holiness. Rarely does man understand who God is. There are so many people, so many people in our world today who throw around God's name and talk like them and God are just best friends and they lead their lives as though God has nothing to say about it. And the thing, I, I fear for those people because they will one day meet God and find out who he is in truth. And so another example is Elijah. And uh, there's many people that, that know the story of Elijah. and they, they always say God took Elijah up in a chariot of fire. It's not true. <laughs> God says at the beginning of the chapter, he's going to take Elijah home in a whirlwind. And at the end of the chapter, when it happens, he takes Elijah home in a whirlwind. But so Elijah had a, uh, a, a, a servant that God told him to choose, and uh, it was Elisha. And so they walked so closely. Again, if you want to read it sometime, it's 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And uh, everywhere he went, he says, Elisha, stay here. God said for me to go here. And Elisha said, God, do so to me. And more also, if aught but death separate you and I. And so everywhere Elijah goes, Elisha will not depart from him. And so there in, in uh, 2 Kings 11, uh, or 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, in verse 11 it says, And it came to pass as they went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha walked so closely with Elijah that God sent a chariot of fire to separate them. <laughs> and he took Elijah up in a whirlwind. Now, Elijah's story is extraordinary. It's not, the, it's not a copy and paste of Enoch, but Enoch walked with God, and God took him. Elijah had a different way in which he gets to this place where God is taking him. There was all, Elijah was a faithful man of God until one moment when fear caused him to turn and run. And so God gave him an opportunity to, uh, to, to change his mind, and he did not. And so God said, anoint Elisha, prophet, room in your place. And so Elisha, you read him, he leads a very exciting, <laughs> is a very exciting record. As a matter of fact, Elisha, his life is so interesting, and he walked so closely with God, and he asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit on him, appeared that God gave it to him, that even after he died, there were some men with a the body, there were, there were enemies coming, they threw the body in the tomb where Elisha was, and as soon as his body hit Elijah's, Elisha's bones, he came back to life. <laughs> It's one of the most extraordinary stories, and, and, and God used Elisha in a mighty way. But as far as Elijah goes, we are not told specifically why the Lord took him, but it appears that God is not done with Elijah. At the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah appeared and talked with the Lord Jesus, and, two, and the two witnesses in the tribulation period do mighty works similar to Moses and Elijah. I'm not saying the two witnesses are them, but... They're very similar, the things that they do in the tribulation period to what Moses did and to what Elijah did. And so uh, Elijah is a very extraordinary, extraordinary life that God, uh, God used in a mighty way. Another example I'd like to share is Herod, frightening example. Herod was a, a very evil man. And in the Acts chapter 12, if you haven't read that recently, I highly recommend it. Uh, at the beginning of the chapter, Herod kills James with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he took Peter also. And, uh, and so throughout all that, and, and that, that would be great to, show, to look at right now, but, but the focus of it is Herod uh, decides to, 
go down to um, uh, a, a, another place, and he gives an oration, and the people say it's the voice of a God and not of a man. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord smote him. Well, let me just read verse 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of, eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Can't imagine a, a more horrific way to die than what happened with Herod. He was eaten up with worms and he died. So all these things, and there's, you know, by no, by no means this is an exhaustive list. <laughs> But it, these things show to me very explicitly that God does what he will. Man can choose. Man can make choices throughout his life. But God has the final word in every soul's life. And it's good for man to come to the place where he, the Bible says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The recognition that I should be concerned about my relationship with God. Now that's true for the Christian and for the lost soul. God is commanding all of humanity to hearken to him, listen to him. And the thing is, is as great as God is, as all-powerful as he is, as magnificent as he is, God still humbly beseeches people. You see it in the, in the beginning of, um, of uh, Isaiah. Come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. God has constantly reached out to the human race and said, let me be your savior. Let me be your God. And we pastor share this morning, he is not just, he's not a God which simply says, okay, I'll change your fate. I'll change your destiny from hell to heaven and you won't be lost anymore. But no, he decides to be with us. He decides to dwell with us. Emmanuel means God with us. The last verses in Revelation say that the tabernacle of God is with men. God, in his mercy, has done all these great works to save us and forgive us for our sins and make us sons and daughters of the living God. But God desires more. He actually wants to dwell with us, walk with us every day. And I thank God for the verse in Genesis where it says he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, he had close fellowship with them. He desires the same thing for everybody in this room. For us to have a close relationship with him. For us to hear and discern his working and leading in our lives. And us respond in love, in devotion, in, in, in walking before other men in the ways that is pleasing to God. That's what God desires for all of our lives. And so... Um, our choices do influence God in his view towards us, which is why the Lord leads us to walk with him and depart from iniquity. 1 John 5, 16 through 17 says, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. God seeks for us to walk with God and depart from iniquity. And so he leads us. He calls for us to follow. He calls for us to pray for each other. Even when you see a brother or sister in sin, we are to, we are to, to seek for them to come out of that. We're to intercede to God for them in love. That's the way in which we're meant to lead our lives. And in light of how God has viewed and interacted with man in the past, 
it begs the question or questions, can we choose to walk with God? Can we choose to so walk with God that he can't wait to take us to heaven? Apparently so. Can men be so wicked that God decide to end their wickedness immediately? Apparently so. (laughs) Can a child of God lead such a selfish, sinful life that God can say, that's enough, and take us? Apparently so. And so all of these things move us to, to understand God is moved by our seeking him, loving him, and obeying him. God is moved by that. God is also moved by man embracing sin and provoking him to anchor. He is God, and he will have the final word in our lives and over us and as a nation. I, uh, I am every day overwhelmed with concern for the United States of America. I think every time I speak, <laughs> I express to you guys my dismay at how our nation has turned away from God. I I was angry when Barack Obama went abroad and was telling all these nations that we're not a Christian nation. And lo and behold, here we are. America is not a Christian nation. I I thank God that we are here today in this room, and we are opening up the Word of God, sharing it together. We're praising his name in song. Thank God for that. But the manner that seems to be what's happening in the country is not that of of a Christian nation. It seems to be very far from it. I, uh, I think we need to be concerned and pray for our country and, and believe that God can and will respond to those prayers. How he chooses to do so is completely what's, uh, what's best in his eyes. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And God is the same God that he always has been, and he will respond to the things happening in our world today, and in America specifically. And it's, 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 it's dumbfounding to me. And we need to be very concerned and pray for the people around us. Pray for our neighbors, and neighbors means more than just the people who live next to you on your road, but every person that your life touches, they're your neighbor. And our, our, our concern needs to be true and, and real for the people around us. I have one last example. I'm going to read all this with you, and just to give the preface that uh, Daniel, man of God that he was, was uh, greatly used of God in the book of Daniel, and, um, and so he had come to a place where Nebuchadnezzar had been God had worked and moved in his life, and God had humbled him and made him like an animal for seven years until he knew that the Most High God ruled among men. And so then the Bible refers to Belshazzar, and that he's his, they, the Bible says his son. It could be, I've heard people say it's his grandson, I don't know. But the point is, is that he decides to take all the vessels that were taken from God's house in Jerusalem, and they drink out of them wine, and they toast the gods of wood and stone and silver and gold, and they, they worship these gods. And so I don't know how many are familiar with the story, but there's a, a hand, and it wrote on a wall, many, many tekel eupharsin. The king, Belshazzar, sees this hand, this disembodied hand, I guess, writing these words on the wall. And, and 
in that moment in time, he becomes so fearful that his knees actually start banging together. He said, I don't know, I was not there that day, but here's what I imagine happened. He said, stop the music, stop the partying. Somebody has to find out what those words mean. And they searched throughout the land. They got the prophet, and they, they came to Daniel last. <laughs> the guy that's faithfully been given the message of God for all these years. They get him last. But they, none of the prophets and the soothsayers and all these people, none of them can say what those words mean. And so King Belshazzar gets more and more intensely fearful about what those words mean. And that's where we pick up in Daniel chapter 5, verse 17. So he's made a proclamation that whoever can interpret those words, he will be made the third ruler in the land. We'll dress him in scarlet. We'll put a, gold, we'll put a chain of gold around his neck. So Belshazzar says, we're going to honor this man, whoever can interpret these words. So in verse 17 of chapter 5 of Daniel, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to, an, to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king, and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom, and, a majesty, and majesty, and glory, and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would he slew, and whom he would he kept alive, and whom he would he set up, and whom he would he put down. But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne. And they took his glory from him, and he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beasts. And his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and he, that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, thy, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold and of brass of iron, of wood, and of stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from, heaven, sent from him, and this writing was written, and this is the writing that was written, many, many, teko eupharsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Many, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, and they put a, put a chain of gold about his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And that night, that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. And this is a record that God gives the final word. In every man's life, without exception, every, there's billions of people alive on the planet. Every single one, God gives the final word in their lives. And it's wise for man to come to that place where they fear him. And it would be wise for every child of God to recognize day by day, the only thing that truly matters is that God be glorified and honored in my life. That God enable me to live in my life in such a way as that Christ cannot fail to be seen in my life. 
And the thing is, is if we would seek for God to do that, without question, without exception, God will do that. If we seek to honor the Lord, God will be honored in our lives. God will enable us to do so. But this world, I was saying so in Sunday school, this world, day by day, grasps our attention. And we live for foolish things. We live for time in front of the TV, or we live for this or that or this or that, and it's pointless. There is a God in eternity, and he is looking into the lives of men, and he is seeking for his name to be honored and glorified among men. And the very best thing that we could do in all of our lives, I could go out and I, if I had the brains to go get a PhD in something of agriculture or medicine or whatever, I could not profit this world. If I could come up with a cure for cancer, except that that was God's will for my life, I could not glorify God in those things, except that God be at work in my life. Man's, anything that God gives us, the wherewithal to do anything, to be the fastest runner or the most uh, accomplished scientist, none of those things, all of those things are God's to give to a man. What he chooses to do with it is man's choice. But God has the final word in every human being's life. I had this last note. Belshazzar must have believed he was showing how foolish it was to acknowledge the God of the, of the Jews but as in all things, God has the final word. These things are written to teach us. I hope everybody here is saved here today. I hope everybody here is God's man or God's woman. But listen, we need to walk through this life in a way that is pleasing to God. It's the thing that matters most of all. So uh, that's all I have. <laughs> Let's close. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had. Thank you for your word. And, Lord, we do pray that you would uh, help us, Lord, to hear your voice, help us to discern your leadership, help us to fear and honor and seek to glorify you in all things. And, Lord, please grant us your grace, Lord, that uh, people can see Christ in us and help us to be ready with an answer to every man that hope asks a reason of the hope that lies within us. Bless everyone here. Keep us safe as we go home. Help us day by day to, to live for you and not for ourselves and not, certainly not for the world around us. We do thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.